Welcome to God's Planning, Contemplative Preachers, Contemporary Age. Each week, join the Dominican Friars as they consider all things Catholic. Welcome to God's Planning. I am Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. I'm the Director of Vocations for the Dominican Province of St. Joseph, located here at the House of Studies in Washington, D.C. And this week, I am joined by Father Joseph Anthony Cress. Father Joseph Anthony, why don't you say hi, introduce yourself. Hello. Uh, as Father Jacob Burton said, uh, I'm Father Joseph Anthony Cress. I am a Dominican friar of the province of St. Joseph, but I am in Charlottesville, Virginia, where I am the uh, chaplain to the University of Virginia, working mostly with the undergraduate students down here. Uh, I've been down here for about three years now, starting our third academic year. Uh, yeah, that's so- crazy. Trying to get our sea legs under us. Uh, it's not bad, though, when you're starting your third academic year as defending national champions in men's basketball and number currently 22 ranked football team. So okay. yep. I, mean, on the I don't, I don't take credit of that or any sense, but I'm just saying it's, it's not a bad setup. Yeah, riding on the coattails of everybody else. That's great. Yeah. Really good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's wonderful. It, yeah. Nothing like being a chaplain to national champions. It's a good start. A good start. Perfect. Yeah. So, Father Joseph Anthony, um, like the other contributors on this podcast, Father Gregory, Father Patrick, Father, Father Bonaventure, and I, we all entered the novitiate together. We started our formation in Dominican life together. Absolutely. Um, so, we uh, it's it's great. It's great for us to be together on the podcast to sort of be able to connect, even though we're living in different places. Talk about things. Catholic, talk about things Dominican, and uh, kind of bring that out to you. So speaking of bringing that to you today, we were thinking about talking about this idea of discipleship. Um, it's kind of a buzzword in the, in the Catholic and even just the broader Christian world, this, this idea of discipleship and even the, the, the phrase intention, intentional discipleship. What does it mean to be an intentional disciple? It's often even used as a verb, like, to disciple somebody or be a discipler or be discipled it's It's all over yeah you can turn this this word into any like form of speech you want right exactly it's whatever you want disciplers discipling discipleship it's all over the place and i don't i mean i don't think the word's bad in fact no i I love it word but (laughs) i think we need to unpack it uh and like we've said before in previous episodes and whatever topic that we're kind of addressing talking about in order to kind of pursue something, to follow it, to get it, to go after it, we have to understand what it is. We have to understand what it isn't as well. So Absolutely. let's unpack some of that. Let's talk about uh, what it means to be a disciple, um, what it means to be perhaps an intentional disciple, what all of that means. And I think often when I think about sort of like what we're talking about and topics that get me interested, they're always, they always sort of start in kind of, kind of a, a, like a, a problematized form. Um, why, why are we talking about this? Because if there's not the why, then like, why should we be talking about it? Why should people be listening to us? And I think one of the first things that comes to, um, comes to mind regarding discipleship and kind of what does that look like? What are we doing is, is the problematic understanding of what it means to be a disciple in terms of only doing that discipleship is a sort of like service project that I pursue Christ, I'm a disciple because I do particular things. Um, that's, I mean, part of it, I think, but that's not at the heart, I don't think, of what it means to be a disciple. So I think more importantly, we have to talk about uh, discipleship um, in a sort of Christocentric way. 
in a gospel um, way that focuses on Christ because after all, you're a disciple of something or a disciple or someone. of someone. Someone, exactly, yeah. exactly right. Far more important. Um, I don't know if, you know, being on a college campus now for three years, being a chaplain, if you have run into those sort of issues or sort of mixed ideas about what it means to be a disciple, what it means uh, to, to follow Christ in that way. I don't know if you kind of have encountered that yourself. What do you, what do you think? Father? Yeah. I mean, quite honestly, discipleship's at the heart of what we do as a campus ministry. Like it, it is because it's the heart of what it means to be a Christian, you know? And so like we do emphasize discipleship in our uh, campus ministry sh- setup because um, it's not about programs. It's not really about events. Those things help to us to foster relationships and discipleship is about a relationship. And, and this, so it's a very human way to go about this. And it's about, um, you know, pursuing that relationship with Christ, but not in this weird kind of um, sterile programmatic way, but in a very human relational way. And so we, have made it a, a very explicit part of our campus ministry is that we do want to focus on discipleship. And right. it's not about just checking off boxes of to-do lists like, okay, I made mass this, I, or I checked off mass this week, I checked off my service work this week, I checked off these things. But it's about how do we um, engage in this relationship with the Lord through what he um, first expressed to us when modeled for us and showed for us, which is a relationship of a discipleship. And so we want to follow the, his lead in that sense uh, so that we can, uh, you know, begin that relationship with him. So as far as what it is on a college campus, I mean, the reality is it's at the heart of what we do. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, you, you're kind of hitting right at, um, right at the center of what, what was going through my mind. And, um, when you were talking about the the sort of ratio or the reason for what you do on a college campus as a college chaplain with college students, but also what you do as a Christian, you know, that's applicable beyond simply the college campus, right? A hundred percent. And I like, that's what we do. That's what our goal is as a uh, campus minister is that we're preparing our students to, to be good Christians and Catholics after these four years. Right. Exactly. It, it has what we what we give them here, what we uh, train for them, encourage for them, has to be applicable beyond these next four years. Right. Yeah. So I think that what you were getting at that that Christ is the center, right? We were kind of talking 100. just talking about that. That Christ is um, the reason mm-hmm. for being a disciple. It is He whom we follow, and He kind of gives um, the parameters of what that means to be a disciple. I think. Sometimes when we talk about the spiritual life, when we talk about our life as our lives as Christians, it can become very sort of subjective. Like, what does Jesus mean in my life? Or what does he mean to me? And those are good things. I mean, we, I'm not saying don't have a personal relationship with, with Christ. Just the opposite. You should have a personal relationship. We're big fans of those, by the way. Yeah, like exactly. Everybody yeah, should know, have that. <laughs> we should know Christ. But when we talk about it in, in terms of discipleship, I think to ask the question, like, what does discipleship mean to mean to me? Mm-hmm. can can actually be kind of unhelpful um, because it's similar to creating our own idea of like what it means to be holiness or setting up uh, uh, to be holy. It's kind of setting up our own parameters. Um, being a disciple of Christ, like being holy, um, it doesn't originate from our sort of standards of what it means to be a disciple or what it means to be holy. It's something that comes from Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, it has this sort of like cyclical 
existence, right? It comes from Christ, but it also returns to Christ. Um, and it's the Lord that calls and the Lord that has a plan. So that being the case, let's look a little bit at um, what Christ teaches us about discipleship. Let's look a little bit at um, the Gospels. And if we look at the Gospels, and you know, we won't spend a ton of time, but kind of go through them quickly just to give us an idea of what the, of what the evangelists um, teach about the apostles, um, the disciples, and, and what that means for us, because it's from the, the content from, from Revelation that we should be um, moving. That, that, that's that what gives us our, our sort of uh, um, direction there, right? When we're talking right. I about mean, Christ. when we're talking about discipleship in Christ, like we have to keep our eyes set on him. In, exactly. in everything that we do, you know, like if we're going to be moving, we're going to be walking, uh, like Peter's walking on the waves of the water. Once we take our eyes off of him, then it all falls apart. Right. We start sinking. So like in all of these aspects, it's got to be moving towards him as our end and our perfection in that sense. Right. Exactly. So looking at the gospels, let's take a few minutes. Let's dive in. Let's not go in order. Let's make things confusing. <laughs> Let's start with the Gospel of Mark. Uh, Mark uh, is, you know, one of the, is the shorter of the shortest of the four, um, the the simplest. So I think that it, it, in some regards, the simplest. You know, so let's let's start there. And I think that the central verse for discipleship in the Gospel of Mark is Mark eight thirty four. In in the eighth chapter of Mark, uh, the evangelist writes this, and he, Jesus, of course called to him the multitude with his disciples and said to, that, said to them, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Um, that's, I mean, I, I'm guessing that we've heard that verse before. But a few times. Yeah, yeah, a few times. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not unknown to us, hopefully. Uh, but it's, it's poignant, it's to the point, and it's, it's very clear. For Mark, uh, discipleship entails uh, leaving everything to follow Christ, no matter the cost. Remember yeah. that the Gospel of Mark is written to the, Rome, to the, to the Christians in Rome during uh, the persecution, yeah. right? So all of it is sort of aimed at this idea of persevering through persecution, but leaving everything to follow Christ. Um, leaving everything to, to go at, go after him, no, no matter, no matter the, the cost. Yeah. I think that's something that we, we always, I I'm trying to always remind my students is like, Hey guys, listen, the cost of discipleship is high. Like this isn't just, um, you know, uh, low shelf stuff. This is, this is top shelf. Like this is a, a big deal. And the cost of discipleship and the demands of it, um, you know, are, are high. The demands are high on this. And, um, we do have to give it the entirety of ourselves. And then you start to see, um, actually the beauty of it is when you put Christ at the center and, and follow him in that sense, you end up start starting to see his movements, his fingerprints, his presence in all the other areas of your life as well. It's not just one sector that I want to do really good at, but it becomes this all encompassing aspect of your life. Right. Yeah. The, one of the things that I think this highlights for us is, is the fact that what our Lord teaches us and what he calls us to is, is often very simple. 
It's not complicated. Now, granted, life is complicated, right? Life is messy. <laughs> we have all these things going on in our lives. Sure, of course. Anyone who would deny that would be, be crazy, naive, right? Living in their own little bubble. But yeah. what our Lord asks us to do is quite simple. To yes. give up everything to follow him. And, and part of that, part of the act of faith that is needed there is to trust that his grace oh. is sufficient, that he's going to carry us through that, that he's going to keep us on. And you, you just touch on the absolute, like beautiful starting point about it, it is about trust. And um, it, ha- yeah. it, it all begins with trust. And if we can't trust the God who has sent his son to die for our sake, if we can't trust the God who sustains us in being and welcomes us back every single time that we ask for forgiveness, if we can't trust that, then we'll be just spinning our wheels and trying to be somebody else or trying to be, like you said, that own like personal concoction of what you think it should be but right. it has to begin with trust in the lord um you know that simple phrase that our lord spoke to saint faustina you know jesus i trust in you and yeah. i mean this is the heart of that is trusting the love and the mercy of the father um it, and Precisely. when you give everything up after that um it's it's quite simple yep so we've covered mark in all of like 42 seconds. That's all of it. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Mark in 42. So, love it. it. Uh, so let's, let's look at Matthew quickly. Um, mm-hmm. Matthew kind of presents the disciples. Matthew, of course, if it's, it's one of the synoptics, but presents the disciples in a different way, presents Christ under a different light. Not that they're teaching different things, but they're kind of coming at the truth, coming at revelation from different angles, different perspectives. For Matthew, Matthew, uh, he really presents Christ as the teacher, yeah. as yeah. the rabbi. And the disciples unders, are, are those who understand Jesus, who come to know him, who sit at his feet as, as students to learn who he is, to learn, you know, to learn who the father is. Um, so the disciple in, in Matthew's gospel uh, is, is uh, like more of a student, one who sits at the feet of the master to study and, and to learn. Um, to humble oneself, to learn um, from the, the fount of wisdom, from the word himself. Uh, that it, It's not contrary to what we said about in the Gospel of Mark, but again, it's a different kind of, a different, a different angle. A it's different a different presentation of it. Mm-hmm. And um, in a real sense, that's, it's the core of what even that word disciple means, is to be right. the student. Um, and so Luke, or I'm sorry, uh, Matthew picks up on that and runs with it and is showing us like it's about uh, coming to know uh, Christ who then directs us and reveals to us the father. And so like that idea of kind of sitting at the feet of the master and um, not just knowing the content of what he teaches, but knowing that person. And, and that's what like the ancient disciples did. Like they, they followed their masters everywhere they went. They knew not just, uh, the words that they taught, but they knew the mannerisms, they knew how they interacted and they thus then began to not just assume the information, but to model their life after that. Right. And and the great example of this in the gospel of Matthew is the Sermon on the Mount, particularly the Beatitudes, right? Because the Beatitudes in, in the whole Sermon on the Mount, Christ changes the whole sort of orientation of the Christian mind and therefore what it means to be a, a disciple of Christ. But the the Beatitudes are are less a sort of um, sort of proclamation or of law, but more of a sort of portrait of the man, 
through the Beatitudes, Christ teaches us who he is and then who we are, who we're supposed to be transformed by his grace. So it's, it's less a sort of here's the rule book, but it's here, here I am. Mm-hmm. And this is, mm-hmm. this is what I'm recreating you for in my grace. This is what I'm going to die for. Uh, so we have, we have Mark, Mark who uh, encourages us to give up everything. Matthew who encourages us to sit at the feet, to learn, to receive, right? And now let's look at uh, the last synoptic gospel here, the gospel of Luke. Um, Father, what do, you, what do you think Luke offers here that, that helps flesh out this picture? I mean, Luke's, Luke's pretty punchy and practical, um, which is what I love uh, about Luke's gospel. Um, it's very incarnational, right? We see the uh, infancy narratives kind of kick that off. It's like, it's okay. It's, it's, it's very carnal and, and fleshy, but it's redemptive in that sense. But um, it's, he's presenting discipleship as, you know, similar to Mark and that it is all encompassing, but that means that it, it encompasses not just like this grandeur, but all the specifics in that daily kind of monotonous grind of being a disciple. And uh, one of my favorite it takes is it's, it's a little bit different presentation on um, what we talked about earlier in Mark, but it's in Luke 14, where it talks about how there were great crowds and multitudes traveling with Jesus. And then Jesus enters into this discussion of like the, what it means to be a disciple. Um, that it's about carrying your cross and following him. If we cannot carry our cross after him, then we cannot be the disciple, right? right? And it's that setting means so much because he had multitudes and crowds following him, but he wasn't looking for more followers. He wanted disciples. And that meant to take up our cross on a daily basis and to follow him. Right, it's and that like, word daily, right? That Luke inserts yeah. that he adds for us. It's it, that that's what changes it all. It's he's like, okay, I have crowds. There's followers of everything. Like, how many times do we talk about uh, followers on social media? Right? We can follow anybody. We can follow however many people we want. But like, who are we truly a disciple of? Because what's the mark of discipleship is picking up a cross, suffering uh, as one with redemption, and that's what Christ sets as that kind of threshold for us in that sense. All right. Well, we've looked at the synoptics, and after we take a quick break, we'll we'll dive into John, the Gospel of John, for a second. Talk about what John thinks about uh, discipleship, and then move out from the Gospels to a little Thomas and kind of what else lies ahead. So, hang tight. We'll be back in just a moment. This is God's planning. Get up to date on all our latest episodes at opeast.org slash Godsplaining. All right, welcome back to Godsplaining. Uh, thanks for joining us again. I'm here with Father Joseph Anthony Cress, who's down at UVA, the chaplain there in Charlottesville. I'm Father Jacob Bertrand. We had been talking about discipleship, particularly in the synoptic gospel so far, and we're going to move on to the gospel of John. Um, of course, the Gospels are not, as we said, at odds when it comes to talking about any topic, but uh, all the same, they're not at odds when we're talking about discipleship. Um, so far, we, we've kind of highlighted a few themes, right? So that um, Mark gives us the sort of image of discipleship from um, the perspective of complete uh, self-denial, complete taking up of one's cross to follow Christ. 
Matthew gives us this understanding of Jesus, the teacher, where we receive him, the word, and, and Luke, the sort of practical daily kind of uh, the, the trudge through every day, staying with Christ. Now, as we, as we look at John, uh, John has all these beautiful stories about uh, our Lord calling people to him. Uh, John has all these things, but I want to focus on on one particular aspect, and I guess it's a big aspect. It's it's not one that's sort of sidelined, but but that of love, the 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 idea of love and and discipleship. Um, yeah, that, that's a big deal. Love is a big deal. Right? Yeah, yeah, big right? fan. So in in the Gospel of John, the disciples are those who, who respond immediately to the call of Jesus. Uh, they listen to his teaching. They can confess him with some sort of christological kind of. Um, confession that he's the Lord, that he is the Son of God, and then they tell others. But all of this uh, is is within the context of love. I mean, the great the great person here that I think of is the beloved disciple, right? Who shared these intimate moments with our with our Lord, um, who saw these miracles, but also I think I think immediately the Last Supper. Oh yeah, of of John reclining on on the breast of our Lord. Um, and and like we said at the beginning, this idea of discipleship being having this cyclical relationship mm-hmm. of um, it coming from Christ, but also leading to Christ, uh, the whole of love is the same thing, right? That uh, when we follow Christ, we're, we follow because we're called, mm-hmm. because we've first been loved, um, but also because we love Jesus. We're given the beautiful ability and gift to, to love our Lord. Um, but the, uh, the blessed disciple is not, not the only one, of course, right? We have Nicodemus, we have Mary and Martha, we have Lazarus, the Samaritan woman, all of these people who are called into these relationships, relationships of, of love um, in the gospel of John. And I think when we look at discipleship um, through that kind of Joannine perspective is like we, we start to see this, like you were talking about that, like exitus reditus, that cyclical nature of love through discipleship. There's this call, there's this encounter, there's this relationship, but it just totally overflows and blossoms. And in that way, like all of those, uh, you know, individual figures from the gospel of John that you spoke of, they are very evangelical they're going to bring other people into that relationship of love that they first experienced, you know? And so you're right. starting to see this now as it returns back to God, um, there's this gripping of others, like kind of sweeping other people up into that relationship as well. And so there's, this is where like it, it gets really evangelical. And yeah, it can't sense. be contained. No, it, 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 that's it. Like that's the beauty about John's gospel. Like you can't keep it in a box. Like it just yeah. explodes. And then, you know, the woman at the well, she's bringing entire towns in. Um, and, and that's where it's like love is this like kind of total explosion. And it becomes very evangelical uh, in that real sense. Yeah. And it, it reminds me too of from Matthew 22, uh, the, the great commandment, right? Uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great and greatest of commandments. Um, that is the basis of discipleship. Yep. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And I, John highlights this. Of course, the synoptics do too, but John really highlights this, this relationship of love that can't be contained. So now that we've kind of run through the Gospels very quickly, you know, not doing any of them, any real justice, but um, there's this interesting thing or part in, in Thomas and Thomas Aquinas's writings when he talks about the four effects of love. Um, mm-hmm. When he looks at 
what when when there is that that real love and remember that we're not talking about a simple affective feeling this no. feels good right for for thomas love is is re uh, is is willing the good of another and in the christian context in the context that thomas is writing and in in these sorts of things that good is our eternal salvation it's not about just feeling good about each other it's about wanting one another to get to heaven and this is why we could, this is tangential perhaps, but this is why we can even love our enemies because we don't have to feel good about them, right? No, no, we don't have to necessarily like them, but we can still love them with a tremendous depth and wishing them their own good and uh, salvation in that sense. Exactly. So Thomas talks about these four effects. And the four effects that he talks about are, are union, mutual indwelling, ecstasy, in zeal or, or this sort of jealousy, right? So union, indwelling, ecstasy, and jealousy. And let's let's look at them each just for you know just a, a minute or two, whatever, because um, I think they highlight this this notion of discipleship being situated, oriented, situated in Christ, oriented to Christ, but also to others. Uh, not as as we sort of started off talking about, not as some sort of like service project thing that we do, but more about who we are. Right, so this union. So love in, in Thomas's mind results in this this union of 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 people. Um, love moves us to desire and seek the presence of the one that we've loved, and in that we're united. We're united in this end. We can think of, of course, like the greatest of unions between two people, uh, marriage. Right. So we have this this union of people. Um, but but love is is that sort of bond that unites two people. Thomas understands this in a, in a real sort of sense. Um, the, the second one then is this, this mutual indwelling, uh, that the effect of love means that there's a certain preoccupation with the other. Not in like an unhealthy kind of stalker way, but in this sort of desire to be with the one that's loved. Um, I think we can see this, and, and you probably being on a college campus can see kind of a distorted form of this sometimes of like wanting to be in the presence of another. I'm thinking like, you know, between people dating or whatever, but I don't know what, I mean, I'm sure. Right. Yeah. That you see uh, relationships budding and relationships forming. And I mean, we, we could do, do a whole another episode on like appropriate relationships and dating in our current culture. Uh, maybe we'll do that in the future, but like, people become obsessed and they just want to be in the presence of the other. So whether they're like hanging out in a social event, they just want to be close to that other person. They just want to sit near them in the library. They're all studying, doing their own thing, but just being in the presence of that one that they're fond of mm, yeah. changes it. Yeah. And this takes, it's, it's, it reaches its apex. It culminates um, mm-hmm. in, in the, yeah, of course, we can talk about married love and, and that being, as Thomas calls it, the greatest of friendships. But what that even aims to, it culminates in, in the indwelling of the Trinity. Yeah. This, this mutual indwelling of the Trinity um, that, we, that we are made to share in, made in, in the imago Dei, in the image and likeness of God. We're invited to share in that Trinitarian life. And this is the end of human life. And because Thomas talks about this with, the, with respect to love, we also have to affirm that this is the end of love. To be, to be, to share in the divine life, to share in this indwelling, um, and the theological virtue of charity, love again, uh, is is what what leads us to this vision and this life in the Trinity. 
So we have union, that it unites the two people, love does. And if when we're talking about discipleship, right, keep our minds on that, when we're talking about this relationship between Christ and us, that it unites us to Christ. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it also allows us to live with Christ, to be with him, to share in the life of the Trinity. So union, indwelling. The third here, ecstasy. Thomas talks about ecstasy. Perhaps this is, you know, not a word we're used to using in this sort of sense. I don't know. Maybe it is. It's kind of, it's not one that I use in my regular vocabulary. Um, I, I do not say that on a daily basis. Yeah. Just for, for the record. Yeah. yeah, great. Good to know. We got that cleared. <laughs> uh, but in Thomas's use of the word, he understands ecstasy as a sort of um, being placed outside of oneself. Right. And this is incredibly important when we talk about discipleship, that, uh, that love carries one outside of oneself. It turns us from the sort of egotistical, narcissistic thinking that the world revolves around me, right? The notion of ecstasy doesn't, it's not a sort of like physical pleasure necessarily, but a taking of one outside of oneself. So you can see where the idea of physical pleasure, ecstasy can be attached to that, but at root, that's not what we're talking about. Um, so the, the idea of moving away from oneself, moving to another, well, I think this, like, once we talked about how the Beatitudes reorient the 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 mind towards, um, you know, what Christ was teaching us, but this is like one of the biggest reorientations there is that yeah. love isn't self-serving. Love isn't what kind of pleasure can you give to me? Love isn't what can you do for me? But this ecstasy, authentic, real ecstasy is about orienting yourself outside of you and towards the other exactly and, and that does it christ yeah it, it's about that self-sacrifice it's about going outside of your oneself for the good of the other and right. the the ecstasy that that then uh kind of creates exactly so we have union indwelling ecstasy the last zeal or jealousy right an intense love seeks to remove everything that gets in the way uh, mm-hmm. of that of that love so a zeal for christ a jealousy for christ um, because he has the same for us he wants us so to be a disciple of christ means exactly what mark teaches us in his gospel to deny ourselves take up our cross and follow him and as luke tells us daily to get everything out of the way that would hinder us from pursuing uh, the object of our love, Christ himself. So uh, we can think here too about the way in which John's gospel brings about this sort of the effect of pursuing Christ, right? And as, as Father Joseph Anthony was talking about, this, this sort of evangelical outpouring or uh, unavoidable overflowing of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ that must be shared with others, right? So as we clear away all that would hinder us from pursuing Christ in our own lives, that's it's contagious. It's effective in that sort of way. And I, I love that kind of, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a source of meditation is like the zeal that God had for us, you yeah. know, that he's going to clear the path of all obstacles. Well, he did that. Like what was the greatest obstacle from our union, our mutual indwelling and our ecstasy with God? Well, it was sin and death. And so he said, all right, I'm going to take it away. And he cleared that path and he came down for us to, to give us that uh, a beautiful uh, redemption in uh, pure love that only comes from him because he cleared the path for us. Because you know what? He was zealous for us. That, that 
defines sort of explains the whole sort of right mission <laughs> mission of Christ. That kind yeah. of sums it up nicely. So we've talked about uh, discipleship, right? We sort of said, you know, what yeah. is it? What yeah. does it mean? We've talked about it in the Gospels. These very sort of quick vignettes to say this is how the the, the evangelists will describe it, uh, and then a little bit like okay, so here's the culmination. It's a matter of love. It's a matter of that relationship with our Lord. It's not a sort of, I'm doing X, Y, or Z. No, it's a matter of being loved and loving in return and that love defining who we are. And that love results in these effects, according to St. Thomas, of union, indwelling, ecstasy, zeal. Um, there, so I think in the end, as sort of final thought, discipleship really boils down to the question of, what do you want? Who do you want, right? who do you seek even to, to steal the words from the gospel? Um, I think that discipleship has to be um, not understood as something like, well, what do I do to like, to, to be part of the church or what do I do to, as a sort of service project or what do I do? But it's a really a question of like, who am I? A discipleship, a dis- the question of disciple is not a functional question. It's about who you are. Uh, it, it gives, and, and who gives the parameters to that? Is it your own self-defining kind of parameters? This is what it means for me to follow Christ, but not this part. Or is it Christ in the totality of, of who he is? Um, of course, this necessitates action. We don't become sort of pacifists in this. But it, it requires the, the principled beginning that... Uh, it's, it's less about our doing something and a more about letting God act in our lives and responding to that. We, we, ha- we have to be able to discuss the why of this. We look at Christ and say like, okay, this is important for him. Like he is setting the path for us uh, in with, like you were saying, the parameters of discipleship, but what's the why behind it? I mean, I'm the type of person that like kind of reverse engineers things. So I'm always looking at the practicals and things, but I forget the why. And we always have to get back to the overarching, well, why is this all about? Well, it's about, you know, that relationship with God. It's about keeping him at the forefront of everything, knowing that he has called us into this. And it's more about who we are and who, who Christ tells us that we are, than rather trying to reverse engineer it by just doing a bunch of right, crap. Like, you'll never get to the final destination if you're trying to reverse engineer it, you know, by just looking at all these things I need to do. But you have to understand this depth of the why that God is truly jealous for us and has set forth this path of discipleship to accomplish that perfect goal of, of love in that relationship of love through this relationship of discipleship. And then we can talk about the pr- practicals of like what that looks like in, in specific circumstances, but you got to understand this under of this why of it. Right. So to wrap things up here, the, um, the second Vatican council says this, the disciple is bound by a grave obligation toward Christ to understand the truth received from him faithfully to proclaim it, and vigorously to defend it, to understand Christ, to proclaim Christ, and to defend Christ. This is who the disciple is. This is what the tradition teaches us, what the gospels teach us, what Thomas and all the great scholars teach us, but more importantly, it's what Christ teaches us. So thanks for joining us this week on God's Planning. Uh, Again, I'm Father Jacob Bertrand, and for Father Joseph Anthony, have a great week and join us next time. God bless.
Thanks for listening to God's Planning, a work of the Dominican Friars of the Province of St. Joseph. Visit us at opeast.org.